Uh, hey, welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, in which we take a deeper look at the topic or passage of focus from the weekend, uh, explore things that maybe we didn't have time to in the sermon. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary, joined by our interim lead pastor, Paul Utnage. Paul, welcome again. Thank you very much. It's always, I love doing these deep dives. You guys have got a great thing going with this. It really helps people. Yeah, it's a fun, uh, it's a fun project, uh, as we like to say on the on the deep dive. We want to keep our Bibles open, and so uh, here we're just going to explore some different questions mm-hmm. and um, go from there. So we've been in a series called uh, "The Church the World Needs," where we're looking at uh, the Book of Acts and uh, just yeah, walking through um, kind of passage by passage. Uh, we're going to go end up going around two thirds of the way through the through the book. Yeah, we're really not hitting every passage, and there are some passages that are wonderful passages, we just don't have the time to be able to do it. So we're picking the passages that really fit the idea of what kind of church does the world need. Yeah, I was uh, laughing last night, I was playing uh, pickup basketball up here, and there were a couple guys from a different church in the area, and uh, I, I asked them, I said, hey, what are you guys, what are you guys preaching through right now? And they said, oh, we're going through Acts. I said, oh, awesome, we're going through Acts. That's yeah. cool. There's two churches in the area going through Acts. And I uh, now I, I know this church, and they're very expository, and they're very slow. So they've probably been going through Acts for months at this point. There are some churches who will take more than a year yeah. just to go through Acts. In fact, it's not just here in St. Louis. It's something's going on. Yeah. If you Google it, yeah. you also find that there are a number of other churches around the country that are doing Acts mm. right now, or just finished Acts. Yeah. You know? well, we're in good company. So I, I think God's kind of speaking to his people right now. This is a, an ideal window and moment in, in our yeah. history. Well, I do think coming out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, we see, we've seen attendance patterns sh- uh, shift, not just at our church, but just nationwide, mm-hmm. I mean, worldwide, probably. Yeah. So we've seen people's engagement involvement change. Um, I think we're asking the question, like, what what is the church, and who mm-hmm. is the church, and what mm-hmm. is the church to be? And so Acts is a great place to... Uh, to start. That's why we, we named this series The Church the World Needs, yeah. um, because we're getting outside of our own walls. Yeah, I love that you picked up the, the pandemic analogy, because it really was not just a pandemic, a health pandemic, mm-hmm. but there was also a pandemic of relationships, a pandemic of values that mm-hmm. the health one forced. And the church is still reeling, uh, the church abroad sure. is still reeling a little bit from it. And I think people still are without realizing it. Yeah, it's not called necessarily post-traumatic stress, but it's post-trauma, post-something. Post-something. Yeah, yeah. we, uh, Paul and I, we attended a conference back in mm-hmm. February, yeah. uh, where there was a speaker, David Kinneman, who uh, he leads the Barnett Group, and he was talking about this moment as the spiritually open mm-hmm. moment. So I think there are there are people, especially young people, who are searching for something spiritual uh, to connect that. to, and. For us, if we're going to, you know, maybe leverage this moment or take advantage of this moment or just be faithful in this moment, I think mm-hmm. um, really getting a good grip on on mm-hmm. what the church is, what is our mission, yeah. um, and then how do we take that next step to engage. Yeah. And being able to talk with people through story, telling the story of Christ, which, of course, you know, we just finished Cornelius, mm-hmm. and uh, the message that Peter gave to Cornelius really was a a wonderful example of being just tell the story of Jesus. In fact, it, it, I almost wish everybody in the church could take time and homework, if you will. Yeah. We can't assign homework to church. But, no. But uh, I wish we could, because then we would say, tell, figure out from Peter's example how you'll tell the story of Jesus in a, as a story, as a narrative. Yeah. 
because everything is right there in yeah. what Peter tells Cornelius. It's it's one of the best examples for what our culture needs yeah. in the message. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that being said, okay, so we were in Acts chapter 10 this mm -hmm. weekend. Uh, if you remember, if you listened last week, Jeff and I, we talked through Acts chapter 9, the conversion of Saul. And uh, now we're, we're, this week we were in Acts chapter 10. So, mm -hmm. Paul, just give us kind of a big picture yeah. overview. What happens in chapter 10 of yeah. the book of Acts? Well, 10 is, as I mentioned in the sermon, is one of the three most momentous events in early church history. You have the day of Pentecost first, which changed everything. Mm -hmm. You have the conversion of Saul, which would ultimately change everything. He would become this great Billy Graham, you know, of, of the first century. And then you have this event, which basically is the birthday for all the Gentiles yeah. who ultimately will become Christians for, it's your birthday and my birthday, basically. All right, so you said the word Gentile. What, mm -hmm. what does that mean? What is a okay, Gentile? Gentiles for Jews meant anybody who wasn't Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a word that can be basically used as nations. And mm -hmm. So there's times in the sermon even when I said the word nations yep. instead of Gentiles. And so it's really looking at somebody, anybody who does not hold to, in the Jewish mind, anybody who does not hold to the regulatory and the legal requirements of the religious and uh, Isra Israeli faith. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just the scriptures. You have like people like... Cornelius, who were God-fearing and would look at the scriptures, it's just that they did not, they refused to accept the legalistic, ritualistic pieces of, of Israel's life. Mm -hmm. And so they were considered God-fearing by God, is how he would call it, but uh, Israel would not have considered them anything. So Cornelius never would have been able to get into the temple, just yeah. like the Ethiopian eunuch mm -hmm. didn't get into the temple. He had mm -hmm. to listen across the wall, you know as we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But Cornelius would have been that. Mm -hmm. And so what you've got here is God doing something ama absolutely amazing, just as he had done something absolutely amazing mm -hmm. in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so now everything moves now. Uh, it's no longer, Christianity is no longer a nationalistic uh, group around just Israel. Mm -hmm. And it is no longer isolated to just Jerusalem and the immediate environment of Jerusalem. And so it is this very momentous event. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that Christians don't talk about it more. Yeah. 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 So Peter, he, he gets this vision. Mm -hmm. You know, he sees this um, uh, kind of an odd vision that's... Um, yeah, very I, odd. I do think it, it is interesting, like... Because of where where we're situated culturally, historically, um, sometimes the the miraculous nature of, of how God worked in the early church. I mean, we have to remember He still does that, but we we just maybe don't see it in the same way. Um, and yet, worldwide, right? Like, I mean, there are there are men, women coming to faith in Jesus through visions and dreams. I mean, you hear stories of Africa where you have somebody in a, a very Muslim context um, have a vision or a dream where, where Christ appears, and it, it leads them on a path of discovering um, of, of who, who Jesus is. And so I do think it's important to know that, like, God still works in, in those miraculous ways. But The difference is that uh, in the early church, when God was acting with a number of these miracles, mm -hmm. the miracles were designed to authenticate Right. the message. Yeah. Now, when we see God working 
what we consider to be miraculously, it is to, to prove mm-hmm. the, the reality and truth mm-hmm. and the promise of, of that. So here's a little quick little story. I know we need to talk about Cornelius, but, but a little story for me. So when I was in high school, I was in ninth grade, I got the opportunity. So here's this, this, this dumb ninth grade guy, me. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go with uh, the Christian Medical Society with a doctor from Oklahoma City from mm-hmm. my home church who actually was a youth sponsor. Mm-hmm. And we went down into southern Mexico and, and northern Guatemala with a bus that had been completely renovated to be basically a doctor's office on wheels okay and we were taking medical things in and then in the evening they would do that all through the day so i actually helped him i helped the eye doctor and we would then have the jesus movie mm-hmm. you know that we would play yeah in the evening on whatever wall in the village that we could yeah and then uh, local missionaries would would translate for us and we'd share the gospel a number of things happened on that trip for me that really kind of drove me to say, without realizing it was a part of my journey to drive me to, to do what I'm doing, as, as a pastor even. But in that, I met, with a translator, mm-hmm. but I met an older gentleman who came to get some help, medical help, and with eyes, and so as I was talking with him before he actually talked with Dr. Gilliland, Don Gilliland was the guy's name that I went with, I was just listening through the translator the story, and he had walked hours and hours and hours mm. from somewhere out what we would call out in the boonies if, yeah, if, yeah, I, could, yeah. if yeah. I can use my oaky language yeah, yeah. so way out in the, not jungle but way out there because he had heard that there was some christians who were bringing medical help he came because of the medical help but he also came because he was a christian and when we listened we were like there's no church there's nothing out there and he said, I literally happened to be just walking in the forest in their area. Some plane went over, maybe some missionary plane or something, dropped out some pamphlets. He picked up a pamphlet, and he trusted Christ after reading it. Here I am, this ninth grade guy, realizing God can do whatever he wants to get to people. Yeah. That was my high school experience. And I have remembered that story. Wow. I've met people now that I've traveled, you know, overseas. Of course, when I did that under the radar training of pastors and stuff, and uh, I've met a number of people who have similar stories overseas. What you just talked about, yeah, yeah. of we would we would say, is that made up? Well, no, it's not made up. It was a real, actual. God can do whatever He wants to get to people. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. So Cornelius, right? He's this mm-hmm. this man from um, the Italian cohort, right? He's a devout man. He's a he's a god. Um, he's got fear, right? He um, has this dream, and he doesn't really understand what's going on. So, um, you know, there's this guy Peter that he's supposed to to find, right, and and to come and explain it. Uh, Peter, uh, then uh, you pick up the story. Another dream. Yeah, yeah. He has another dream. So Peter. By the way, I've been at that house. Wow. When we were at Israel, now yeah. I, men- I mentioned it a little bit in the sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the sermon. Yeah. But when we were at Israel on a, on a tour, we happened to be walking through Chapa, and our guide said, let me just point out the house where Simon the Tanner was. Archaeology has shown it. You know, they know it was the house. 
And he said, you can't get in. Somebody actually lives there. Wow. So we went, and we happened to bump up. We have to go by as the guy's coming out of his out of his, the door. Yeah. And the guide asked, can we, would you be willing to show this group of people the house? I would, I'd be happy to. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We got to go in. So this guy's living in a 2,000-year-old house? In a 2,000, yeah. Well, it's been, the bottom part's been, you know, some of it has been, but, but it's kept, his, just like we would call a historic home, because it is a historic home. And so we, we saw the well that they had kept up historically, archaeologically, mm. where they would have gotten their water, the, where the kitchen would have been when Peter said, hey, I'm hungry while I'm praying, I'm hungry. We, a few, I went up to the roof. I got to sit down on the roof. Well, it's a modern chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sat on this mm. chair, looked out at the sea, Mm. I was actually in, I got to just picture. So here's Simon up on the roof back then. And he's praying at the appropriate time of prayer. Cornelius had been praying at the exact same time on another day. Because it takes several days to travel. And God has this, this dream, this vision. Because he'd gotten hungry, and so he had asked the servants to go down where I saw the kitchen. They were down yeah, there yeah, yeah. cooking, getting water from that very same well that I saw, that Brendan yeah. saw. And um, <clears throat> he has this vision of the, the blanket, if you will, you know, that comes down and has all the animals that the Old Testament law ceremonially had, had said to either eat or not to eat. Right, right. And Peter had been a appropriately righteous young man yeah, growing up. And he, I mean, he, he really rebuked God, mm-hmm. which is, it's amazing, mm-hmm. because these are the things that God himself had said, don't eat. Mm-hmm. So here's God. At one level, it looks like God is contradicting himself. Mm-hmm. And... Peter says, well, Lord, I've not. It's almost as if he may be thinking, is God testing me or something? Lord, I've not eaten those, those yeah. things. I've yeah. never eaten those things. Yeah. And, hey, Peter, you know, basically he says, don't call unclean what I have called clean by the creation. In other words, he called all of it good in creation. And um, it happens three times, just like, Peter, I didn't mention it in the sermon, but just like Peter denied Jesus three times, and you know, and uh, it happens three times, and Peter's kind of like, there's a message for me here. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of thrown for a loop, like, yeah. okay, I'm listening. Yeah, and ding dong, mm-hmm. you know, at the door, you've got the servants coming in, mm-hmm. and he realizes it, and he immediately changes his perspective, which yeah. is, which is, uh, Again, another amazing piece. I love this story, by the yeah, way. You, oh, can, probably tell. you can probably tell. Such a good story. But he's, he changes his perspective immediately about the Old Testament ceremonial law. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't fully get it because he and Paul argue about it later on. Right. You know, in Galatians. Well, we're stubborn. Yeah, we're, we, we, we all, you know, I do that. You know, yeah. it takes me a few times. Yeah. And, or sometimes a lot of times. Yeah. But uh, 
he gets and then he of course then we know the story with mm-hmm. with with Cornelius and now you have this great birthday of the Gentiles yeah you have Peter then um, kind of one of, another one of these monologues mm-hmm. in Acts where he's mm-hmm. preaching um, yeah. the Gentiles yeah. hear and they yeah. respond and he knew by the way he we know he got it because he he goes mm-hmm. of course it would have been disobedience not to but sure. he, but he goes sure. And he even says to, to Cornelius and to the whole household, the friends and the family that are, he says, you know, this is the first time I've ever been in a Gentile home. Hmm. Uh, he says, I've never done this before because he had kept yeah, the, the law and Jews had always seen any Gentile, anybody of other nations, they'd always seen them as unclean. You cannot connect with them. Yeah. He says, this is the first never, this, I, I would have loved to have been a bug on the wall. For sure. It's kind of like, was he walked in, was he kind of looking around like, is something going to fall on me here? Yeah. Or, I mean, what is it? What is a Gentile house going to yeah. look like? And he, but he recognizes right off that he says, you know, I'm doing something that I never would have done before, and none of my compatriots would have done before. And then the six guys that are with him as witnesses, they're from Antioch, where things had already started happening. And it was a great, it's a great story. Yeah, oh, it's so good when the Holy Spirit falls right on the on the Gentiles. Yeah, and same Peter, way as that day of Pentecost. Yeah, Peter, you know, preaches and says, "Hey, repent, be mm-hmm. baptized." Uh, Peter, what are we? What's the time at? Eighteen minutes. All right, cool. We still got about twelve minutes. All right. Well, there's a couple things that uh, this story um, raises for me. One, this is is kind of the. It's not the last time we see Peter in Acts, but we are going to see a a movement from. Peter to, mm-hmm. to Paul. Pretty almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll see, you know, Peter's in 11 is going to report, you know, on everything that he just experienced uh, to the church. And, um, so that, that is, that is a, an interesting thing, but it's, it's also the fulfillment of, you know, Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, ends of the earth, and Paul is going to pick up that with Barnabas here. Um, we're going to look at that next week, but I guess my question here, so... A couple years ago, um, my family and I, we were in Florida, Fort Walton Beach. And there's a place that we go to. Uh, when we go to the beach, that's where we go. And one of the last, actually, I think it was the last night we were there. I'm sitting down. Uh, I'm sitting down on the beach just, you know, enjoying Like the kids had, had just taken a nap or hadn't, like, woken up from the nap yet. And um, so we were as a family going to get, you know, just have, like, one last evening on the beach. But before my family comes down, there's a, a woman who she's just kind of walking, kind of aimlessly, it seems. Then uh, she walks over, and she's like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting there reading, like, my book. It's like my last day at the beach. I'm like, oh, sure, what's up? You know, so she sits down, and um, she tells me tells me this story. Now, I don't know if her story was true or, or not. I, I In one sense, I hope it wasn't true, because it was pretty tragic. It, she had lost her, her husband recently. He was, he was a firefighter. Um She's, she's kind of just trying to find herself. herself. Um, so, anyway, so anyway, we get to talking, and then I'm like, okay, well, I guess I... You know, she was asking some, like, faith-type questions. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I should probably tell her I'm a pastor. <laughs> like, you know, so we, we get there, we're having a conversation. So she starts talking, asking me about, you know, heaven and hell and, you know, what happens after death. Like, all these, you know, all these things. And, um, but anyway, once, once I, you know, I mentioned to her that I'm a pastor... She starts wanting to talk about the Bible and talk about uh, the Old Testament because she comes from a, a perspective where you, you still, ha- as Christians, we still have to keep all of the Old Testament laws because God ordained them. He didn't get rid of them. Um, 
my question, Paul, is this: like, clearly here in the, you know, in this, in this, in this passage, some of the Old Testament laws that had been set up, um, they are, they're done. Like the maybe the the the, the character piece or the the morale, you know, the there there's there's a justification for them, and we can learn something from them, and they can mean something for us. But I guess what do we do as New Testament believers, right? What God's made you know, clean, clean like, like is clean. clean. Like, like what, do what do we do with Old Testament, Testament, uh, te- Old Testament ceremonial, ceremonial law? Yeah. yeah. And I guess maybe what are the different types of the law? Yeah. yeah. So you, you do have aspects of the Old Testament that are moral laws, mm-hmm. and you'll see them actually repeated in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's not that the New Testament says, by the way, I'm telling you what the Old Testament said, yeah, yeah. but you'll, yeah. it talks about the same things, yeah. and so there is moral law there. This is the very graphic story of how what you what you just said of the ceremonial law ending. Mm-hmm. So what it's not that God contradicted Himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I'm sure Peter probably thought he God was. That's why I said earlier. I said I wondered if he really thought God was testing him. I probably was so confused. Yeah, he had to be so confused, especially. I get it that it took took a few times. Yeah. It would have taken me probably more than three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, God was not contradicting himself. He was fulfilling his purposes in those things. And so he's bringing it to an end. So the ceremonial law was basically designed to be able to say everything is pointing to Christ. Well, really everything in the Old Testament is pointing to Christ. You have the guys on the Emmaus Road, and you know I would have loved to have heard that. Jesus explained all mm-hmm. the Old Testament. You know? mm-hmm. So even the moral law, all it's connected. But God had in the Old Testament given these pictures at times, or these principles at times, these patterns at times, that all pointed to either something about the coming Christ or our need for the coming Christ. And were some of the passages that simply reminding me and showing me that my heart simply cannot, yeah. I cannot live perfectly. Yeah. I cannot live Well, you think of the, um, you know, Sermon on the Mount where you know, yeah. Jesus would be like, you've heard it said that's here, now I'm raising the bar. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. So what he's doing is he's, he's, he's saying everything has now been fulfilled in Christ. So you now have Christ having accomplished everything that the Old Testament had predicted and looked forward to. Yeah. And so and it doesn't mean that the Old Testament's through. In other words, there's still principles about life, about yeah. it's just that it changes our motivation. Yeah. So I'm not having to keep them in order to receive satisfaction and God's acceptance. I'm keeping them out of my love for what Christ has done in order to have that relationship that's so clean and clear, in my, my words. And so the ceremonial laws, really, they were brought to an end. Paul's the one who will ultimately really draw that out. Yeah, he'll axe it. And I'm sure that was a large part of his experience in the wilderness, those three years, you know, if you think about it. For him, I mean, especially like, I mean, Peter, right, would have grown up his whole life. And he said he kept everything. Yeah. I mean, he would have been more adamant than Peter was. Yeah. And so uh, there had to be a lot of training for Paul, you know, from God in the wilderness years for him to be so clear about it. Yeah. So much so that when Peter 
blows, blows it uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. Paul's the one who says, whoa, 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 whoa. you know, remember, you know, let's not put something extra on the Gentiles. That's, that is not, that was fulfilled in Christ. You, you wonder what what their experience was the first time they ate bacon. Like, you know, like they probably felt so conflicted. And yet it's like, oh, this is amazing. Or did it taste bad because of the grease? Who knows? You know, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you you got that. So now these days, when people try to follow those ceremonial pieces, uh, what they're what they're doing is they're 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 claim they're, it's almost as they're claiming that Jesus didn't fulfill it all. And so we have to recognize that we want that. So what we do is we look to say, what was the principle? behind that. Mm-hmm. How was it that those ceremonial laws were connected to moral, so to the natural law, what is a, another deep dive sometime about na- the natural law, which is a great apologetics, by the way, for uh, dealing with non-Christians. So what was it that that was somehow connected to the moral part of the natural law? And I've got a book actually. I started reading about the moral law, and it's a, it's an apologetics book about how to how to talk about it. But um, that's that's basically what's what's going on. Yeah, there. yeah, and I do think you know a lot of those laws, especially as God you know formed a, a people out of Abraham's family, um, gave you know after they came out of Egypt. Uh, gave mm-hmm. them the law, like everything in that was to, to separate them from everybody mm-hmm. else for the purpose yeah. of everybody else seeing them and mm-hmm. really having them faithfully accomplish their purpose of being a light to the nations. And yeah. when Christ comes, like, well, they don't need all of those things anymore yeah. to, to, to do yeah. that. Yeah. When I, I'm, if I'm in conversation with somebody who says, no, you got to follow all of that, I, I use a word from my mom, stinker. So I, so I, I kind of become a stinker because uh-huh. I say, I ask him, so how many shoes have you got in your closet? Yeah. Oh, three, four. Mm-hmm. I said, then you're not living by the Old Testament. At least in the wilderness, God said, only take the sandals on your feet. Mm-hmm. Don't take more than that. Mm-hmm. So somehow you realize that there's something different because if I look at your closet, you're really not living yeah. Yeah. a true legalistic life. And I know I'm being a jerk, you know, sure. when I want to do that. I'm, I'm jerking their chains. But it, it's a funny way to be able to do it. How many shoes, like, how many shoes have you got in your closet? So I say, you're, you're not, yeah. you're not doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. or, um, hey, let's look at the tag on the shirt you're wearing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, what's it made of? Is it 50%? Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Well, thank you, Paul. This has been, a, this this has been fun. This has been great. Um, uh, if you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, I uh, would love to, for you to put those in the comment section if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to this on any of our uh, audio podcast platforms. would love uh, for you to just send us an email, podcast at calvary.church, if you have anything that um, maybe God's doing in your own study or things that you're learning, things that you want to uh, hear us talk about in future episodes of The Deep Dive. If you have any worship songs that you'd like to see or hear uh, Caleb and I uh, deep dive uh, in a future date, we'd love to... Um, to do that for you. Again, let's keep our Bibles open. Let's ask questions. It's so easy to just be jaded or skeptical or uh, even as, as Peter, as we were saying, like was experiencing maybe, like, God, are you contradicting yourself? Like, I think that um, apologetically, we need to not be afraid of those questions, but we need to engage those questions uh, and, and understand at a deeper level, hey, what is God doing and what is God communicating um, about the nature of his character? Uh, so let's keep our Bibles open. Let's ask those questions and we'll catch you again next week on 
new episode of Deep Dive. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.